You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I want today at least to start off, I don't know how much there is to talk about, but I want to talk about what's going on today, and I believe around noon, which is the supplemental draft. Now, typically the answer to this question is nothing happens. Nobody of importance is in the supplemental draft, and um, nobody ends up getting drafted. Last year was a bit of an anomaly when two guys ended up getting drafted, and I don't think anything really relevant came of that. But it's something like, I don't know, once every two, three, four-ish years somebody ends up going. And it's not always bad, but we'll, we'll get there. As always, thank you very much for any and all five-star iTunes reviews. Be sure to check out the description for a link of links, which is if you click on the Linktree link, you'll see a link to uh, the Facebook group. Be able to get yourself uh, some Packernet merchandise. You can support the show. And also a link to, I don't know why you would need a link, you can just type it in, but nflbigboard.com. Otherwise, if you have any questions or comments for the show, 608-501-0718. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I guess looking at the numbers, it's roughly about one player per year. It just hasn't been quite as many recently. So there have been 45 supplemental drafts. There have been 41 selections. I guess it was just a bit of a drought recently from uh, 2012 to 2018. Um, you essentially had 14, uh, 13, 14, 16, and 17 with nobody being drafted at all. Now, most of these players are not very good, most of whom I, I could read the names and you wouldn't even know who they were. And I'm guessing Sam Beal and Adonis Alexander who were taken in 2018 will be kind of similar in that I don't think they're going to amount to much. But you've got guys like Terrell Pryor, you might remember, not very great. Out of this group of 45, however, there are eight 
that have been selected to Pro Bowls, one of whom is currently in the Hall of Fame. Of the eight, one of them was selected by the Green Bay Packers, and it's the only time the Packers have dipped into the supplemental draft. So, 1-0 and for the Packers. Bonus points if you can tell me who that was, because there's no I know who he is. Definitely remember him. Just had no idea it was a supplemental draft pick. That would be a 1998 offensive tackle, Mike Wall. Wall was uh, suspended for using steroids, so he didn't quite get in the normal way. But the Packers used a second-round pick on him, and that worked out quite well. Some of the other really good picks, uh, 1985 Bernie Kosar for the Cleveland Browns, 1989 Bobby Humphrey for the Denver Broncos, 1990 Rob Moore for the New York Jets. Uh, Also in 1998, the other selection next to Mike Wall was Jamal Williams, San Diego Chargers. This is a nose tackle. 2006 linebacker Ahmad Brooks for the Cincinnati Bengals. And 2012 Josh Gordon, wide receiver for the Browns, which hasn't paid out. It's still one of those, like, is he ever going to be, you know, probably not, but I don't know. And then finally, Hall of Famer Chris Carter, drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in the fourth round out of Ohio State. Carter, he was uh, suspended because he signed with an agent. So, you know, burn. There was also a bit of a bonus supplemental draft in 1984. There was some competition with the USFL and the Canadian Football League. So the NFL decided to hold their own supplemental draft for seniors who had decided to sign with the USFL or Canadian League as a way to kind of stick it to them and poach some of the top players. And uh, some of those guys include Steve Young, Gary Zimmerman, and Mr. Reggie White. So that also panned out pretty well. Thank you, NFL, for coming up with that idea. So that leads us into this year's supplemental draft. Apparently there are five players that are eligible for the supplemental draft. Uh, The first on that list is Mr. Bryant Perry. First is just kind of relevant to uh, only me. It's not a ranking. Perry uh, played for St. Francis. He's got versatility going for him, but not a whole lot else. 55 tackles, one forced fumble, one interception, six pass breakups. I mean, it's pretty solid, but we're talking about a school uh, in Illinois that nobody's ever heard of before. But 5'11", 180 pounds, he is not in any way expected to be drafted. Um, But this is a pretty good opportunity for him to kind of showcase his skills to the NFL community so that they at least know who he is and what he's capable of so that if he does go off somewhere else and develop, maybe he can get a phone call. Next is another small school guy out of Northland in Minnesota, tight end Devonair Clarington, which is sort of the opposite name of Darnell Savage. If you think of the opposite of Savage, one of the names that should be included is Devonair. Just remind, it's just, just reminds me of like Tresemme Ulala. That said, looking at a picture of him, I hope he never hears me talk about his name that way. He would destroy me. But this guy actually was a, a kind of a big shot coming out of high school. He's a four-star recruit, um, according to rivals. And he actually did go play for uh, Texas. Apparently he had offers from uh, Miami, Notre Dame, Michigan, USC, and half of other SEC teams. So he's, this guy's no joke. Um, apparently, however, he never ended up playing because of academic issues, so he ended up having to go to a community college first in Texas and then transferring again to Northland Community and Technical College in Minnesota. So he goes there and, you know, just basically just dominates because he doesn't belong there. Team high catches 48, uh, 916 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns, six foot seven, 235 pounds, so he's pretty light for a tight end. He'd probably really 
especially at 6'7", I would assume the NFL would want him to bulk up to at least the 250s. And apparently he's believed to be a little smaller than that, so I don't really know. Either way, he's not expected to be drafted, but there is a possibility that somebody picks him up at some point, maybe to be a little bit of a camp invite, kind of try him out a little bit. Either way, I don't really expect him to be a major impact as far as um, being an NFL prospect. The real unfortunate part is, had he got his grades up at Texas, they would have bulked him up properly, right? He's not going to get proper NFL training from a technical college. So that's that's pretty unfortunate because he, he may have had a pretty good career. Third is Syracuse linebacker Shaheem Cullen. He was the third linebacker on their depth chart, mostly a special teams guy. He's uh, six foot even, 224 pounds, so he's a pretty small dude. He's more than likely, if he was going to end up playing for a team, um, he's probably going to be one of those box safety kind of guys, you know, hybrid safety linebacker types. But uh, 39-inch vert, 4'5", 118 broad jump, 23 reps on the bench. Um, Those numbers put him in and around the top 20-ish among all linebackers in the 2019 NFL Draft. Apparently there are some teams interested. Uh, The Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Browns all did go to his uh, pro day workout. He's still not expected to be drafted, but he also might get a tryout or a camp invite. That brings us to the first of two prospects that are actually considered um, viable as far as being drafted, and uh, the next is West Virginia wide receiver Marcus Sims. So, well, let's start here. Six foot, 188 pounds, only started 10 of 33 games, but in those 10 games managed 87 catches for 1,457 yards and eight touchdowns including 46 catches for 699 yards and two touchdowns the prior season. In his best three-game stretch last season, Sims had more than 100 receiving yards against Youngstown State, Kansas State, and Texas Tech. Probably not the greatest defenses in the history of the known universe, but that's still impressive. I mean, he he played 10 games and and had 100, so that's, you know, 145.7 yards per game average. I don't know what they're talking about, just three highest whatever. Um, he also has return ability, uh, 9.7 yards per punt return, 17.6 yards per kick return, named all Big 12 second team returner by the conf- uh, conference's coaches with a 26.3 yard kickoff average, his longest being 80 yards against Delaware State. As far as his athleticism, he posted a relative athletic score of 8.81, which is very, very high. Not great as far as his height and weight, so his official pro day numbers, 5'11", 188 pounds, ran a 4.45, a 2.55 20-yard split, 1.52 10-yard split. Overall, uh, according to Math Bomb over on Twitter, that's elite speed. Uh, 36-inch vert, 10-foot broad jump, 4.19 shuttle, 6.913 cone, uh, graded out with good explosion, good agility. Couple notes on him. He displays nice body control, easy fluidity, and perhaps some underrated toughness. Relegated to a complementary role the past two seasons with quality targets such as David Sills and Gary Jennings, both 2019 NFL draft picks, as well as rising junior TJ Simmons. Sims did make uh, did his best to make himself a reliable target. Zero drops in the four games we watched. For quarterback Will Greer, who was a third-round pick of the Panthers this spring. There's some concerns about his uh, him being a little bit raw and also the air raid system that he comes from. 
Uh, there's a note that he kind of, that usually doesn't translate, at least year one. According to Tony Pauline, there were 16 teams at his pro day last week, including the Raiders, the Jaguars, the Cowboys, Saints, Vikings, Jets, 49ers, Seahawks, Ravens, Browns, Lions, Redskins, Chiefs, Falcons, and yes, the Green Bay Packers. Now, I shouldn't say this <laughs> because I said something similar about Jalen Thompson and the fact that I didn't think the Packers would take a look at him, and now they're apparently leading the pack as far as interest goes. However, this is a different situation. This isn't simply looking at the roster and saying, I don't know if I want to give up a second-round pick, which I don't think he's going to be a second-round pick. We'll see. But I don't think I want to give up a second-round pick for a third safety. Let me illuminate some issues with uh, Mr. Marcus Sims. So for one thing, Sims did not play in his bowl game due to a concussion. So a little bit of injury issue there. Beyond that, however, there seems to be a little bit of a maturity concern considering um, in 2017 he had received his second DUI, the second one coming while driving on a suspended license. Not only that, there are reports that he butted heads with uh, his team and his coaches. He did not participate in spring practice due to quote-unquote personal issues. And at first he decided he was just going to leave West Virginia go into the transfer protocol and go somewhere else, and then later decided to enter the supplemental draft, which is either him changing his mind or realizing nobody would touch him. Now, Tony Pauline has given him a sixth-round grade, but if I had to guess, that sixth-round grade comes in terms of just his play. In other words, if there were no issues, sixth round. I don't know that to be the case. However, given these issues, I really, really, really would be surprised if he gets drafted at all. The guy's basically a number two wide receiver for the most of his career at best, coming from a system that produces a lot of yards. And by the time he was 19 years old, he had two DUIs. He also had a concussion and butted heads with his coaches. I just don't think he's getting drafted. And if he does, I really would be surprised if it was the Green Bay Packers, who essentially would just be adding another late-round wide receiver to add to the list with Jamon Moore, Equinemia St. Brown, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and a bunch of other guys that are just kind of, mm, not, and, and look, that's not a shot at MVS and EQ. I'm just saying, if you're going to go all in on another wide receiver, let's, let's make it somebody that's really, really top tier. But also beyond that, I, I, I really do think, based on if you look at it, the Packers didn't draft or even look at wide receivers and the uh, free agency, anything. They seem to be relatively content. So I, I tend to think that the Packers going to look at him and talk to him was more due diligence than anything else. I think that is a staple of what Brian Gutekunst does. He said, um, we're, we're going to make all the calls, right? They're, they're doing their due diligence on everybody. Granted, they didn't go to what's-his-name's pro day, but whatever. I don't think the Packers are, are seriously considering Marcus Sims. I don't think they were ever seriously considering Marcus Sims. But he's got some talent. He's got some production. We need to do the work. And we got to go talk to him because he might be worth a six-round pick. But we're not going to invest anything in him until we get to talk to him and find out his side of the story. And by, at the end of the day, I doubt he said anything that's going to change the minds of the people Um that are interviewing. And beyond that, the, the thing that they're also going to be doing is talking to the staff at West Virginia. If he's having problems with the coaches there, there's no chance that any of the coaches are saying, no, 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 no he's a good kid. Nobody is saying that. So we'll see what happens um, if he ends up getting taken, but don't hold your breath on the Packers looking at this guy. 
And that finally brings us to the guy that is guaranteed to be drafted pending any sort of serious issues that have arisen um, that the media has not been made aware of. But Washington State defensive back Jalen Thompson. Again, pending some serious issues that we don't know about, he will be drafted by a team um, somewhere from the, I don't know, second to fifth round. Just everything about him is solid. The production was solid. Uh, he started every single game over the past three years. He's he's commonly referred to as a safety, but as I said and want to reiterate, he also was a slot corner. It was actually a very, very, very good slot corner. So if the Packers do pick him up, that's something we have to keep in mind. And it, it doesn't have to be that you put one designation on him or another. He can do both. There are safeties in the NFL that do that. They play safety, they play slot corner. Look at Minka Fitzpatrick. Miami Dolphins, that's essentially what he does. He's a safety, but they put him at slot most of the time because it was just more of a need. It's also something that I've talked about as a need potentially for the Packers because in my view, the one guy on this team, and this is no disrespect to Josh Jackson, but I think the one guy on this team that is that is built to be a slot corner is Jair Alexander, and Jair is primarily being forced on the boundary because he's our number one corner. There are going to be times when the number one wide receiver is going to be the slot receiver. For example, let's say the Minnesota Vikings, where Jair will essentially just follow maybe Adam Thielen. So when it's two wide receiver sets, it's going to be Jair on the boundary, obviously. And then when he kicks inside, Jair kicks inside with him. In that case, you might have a guy like Jalen Thompson either playing safety. For example, when when we're looking at three safeties, it could be Savage, Thompson, and then um, Amos in the box, possibly. You might also want Savage in the box, considering his closing speed is just so absolutely insane. He can get, he actually looks really good from that position because his ability to drop, his ability to come up and just close with so much speed is, is, you know, being in the middle actually works quite well as far as the area and the range that he covers. But also the Minnesota example, it it could just be putting your best players on the best players, having Jalen on Thielen in the slot, and then just putting Jair on Diggs, whatever. I'm, I'm just hypotheticals but that that allows that kind of versatility an extra little added something for Mike Pettin that maybe we don't have and and, and again there's no question we're lacking depth um, the, the quote-unquote off the field concern for Thompson uh, he lost his eligibility to be in school because he violated NCAA rules apparently it's it's drug related but not recreational drug use it was performance drug use which in my mind I don't even care controversial as it may be, you can put me in the camp of of people that says, I don't care about steroids, really. Do I want people using it? No. But first of all, the fact that it's illegal, I think, is dumb. Second of all, everybody's using some form of drug that they're not supposed to. It just becomes a game of, can you get away with it? Jalen got something. It was not a steroid, by the way. It was not steroids. It was something else that he got over the counter that probably had something in it that he didn't know about. He, you know, ended up getting tested or somebody found out about it and then he ended up getting, it was something dumb like that. Basically, it was a mistake and he got booted for it. But whatever, it's to the NFL's benefit. But contrary to Sims, he is loved by his team. His players love him. His coaches love him. Um, Hard worker, team guy, very, very respected, um, you know, potential All-American candidate in the coming season. I mean, just, just... he would, he would have been a big name going into the draft in uh, 2020. No question about it. Um, I think I mentioned his measurables yesterday, but if I didn't, his pro day came in at 5'10", 186 pounds, hands 8 and 3 inches, arms 31 and a quarter. 
33.5 inch vert, 10 foot 4 inch broad jump, 11 reps on the bench, 40 was clocked between 447 and 456. You know, these the pro day things aren't laser time. So essentially what Pauline here is going off of is he asked the uh, the teams, what did you get? And teams with their stopwatches gave him times and the times ranged all over the place. But it's somewhere around 4-5. Um, some other marks, 11-6-8, 60-yard uh, shuttle, 4-1-6, short shuttle, 6-9-8, three cone. In terms of translating that, his relative athletic score was 5-9-1, which is just kind of meh. Um, his size is really not good, short and small. Uh, his speed is really good. According to the RAS calculations, it came out to be great. Explosion was okay, and his agility was good. But really, at the end of the day, it comes down to can the guy play football, right? The, the, the height, the speed, all that stuff, it just it's just are you a good football player? And that's something that Brian Gutekunst has emphasized is it's about the tape. I think Jair Alexander being his first pick really just epitomized that point. Granted, he, he's a prototypical Packers high athleticism guy. But at the end of the day, he didn't really fit the requirements for the typical height that you like. You know, you wouldn't think of him as a Packers corner, especially in that Kevin King kind of mold. You know, Kevin King is a prototypical Packers corner, and it seemed to be the direction they wanted to go. You want really tall, really fast, don't worry about the tape, just can he fly around the field like a crazy person? Jair is just a good football player, and that was his first pick, and it just kind of set the tone, and I appreciate that. And to be honest, the, the more that I think about it, slot really just might make more sense you know where where quick and shifty is more important than kind of high point and balls and kind of stuff you know you don't have to go up against the 6-6 guy down the field you know with the you know just air mailing balls or you got the 6-6 guy jumping as high as he can catching it with one hand Jalen doesn't have a chance of even getting close to that you know the the slot guys are are trying to get these re- really quick little slant routes just just a just just a thought but he's also a guy, you know, the Packers are looking to improve on interceptions. And he's a guy that also has a nose for the ball. We know Josh Jackson uh, has a nose for the ball. We know Darnell Savage has a nose for the ball. Jair showed some really good ability. I don't know if that was his number one attribute coming out of college, but he definitely showed it in the pros. So that also would add to that. Um, the teams that are reportedly being interested, I mentioned the Packers are number one on that list but also the Redskins, Panthers, 49ers, Bengals, Patriots, Rams, Chiefs, Cardinals, Dolphins, Texans, Browns, Colts, Falcons, Eagles, and Buccaneers. Now, the one final note on this that I will add is that the way that the supplemental draft works is not that it's it's not like the regular draft where it's just, you know, the number one team is the Cardinals and the number two is this and then the Giants and the Bears and the blah, 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 blah. blah. It's not how it works. Essentially, you're in three groups. Um, and the first group is teams that had six wins or less, which the Packers do fall into. This is one of the few times when having six wins works to your advantage. So really, and just because I listed those teams doesn't mean that those are the only ones super interested, but the Packers are in a pretty good spot in which they're ahead of most of these teams. The Redskins, for example, seven wins. The Panthers, seven wins. The Patriots, Rams, and Chiefs, obviously a lot more than six wins. The Dolphins, seven wins. The Texans had a bunch of wins, obviously. The Colts were in the playoffs. Um, the Browns had seven wins. The Falcons had seven wins. It's it's hilarious that almost every single one of the teams that is interested is just one tick away. The Eagles, obviously, were a playoff team. So really, with the Packers, of the teams that are supposedly interested are the 49ers, 
the Cardinals, the Buccaneers, maybe that's it. So essentially what the Packers are going to do, and, and they I'm sure they will do it, is they're going to submit essentially an email to the league saying this is the round we're willing to take him in. If the Packers say, you know, we're willing to give a fourth round pick and no other team that has six or less wins submits an email saying that we're willing to give a fourth round pick, the Packers get them. And that's the end of the story. I believe the tiebreaker beyond that is your record overall. And I think of that group, obviously the Cardinals, the 49ers, I think pretty much everybody else wins. So if, if the 49ers say I'm willing to give a fourth, if, well, let's let's look at it. Yeah, the 49ers need some help, man. <laughs> that actually wouldn't be all that surprising. It, it, I don't know how much they value them, but, um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a team that has potential now that they have their quarterback back. They've got uh, Bosa and Ford. They've got these great pass rushers now. Um, they've got some decent talent at corner. They've got Alexander at you know, linebacker, which I think is dumb, but, you know, everyone else seems to think it's great, so whatever. But the safety position is not good. So it actually wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers take a swing at this here. And again, if they offer the the pick in the same round as the Packers, the 49ers would take, uh, you know, priority over the Packers. So the Packers would have to offer a higher round than the 49ers, who I expect to submit an offer. It's just a matter of what round. Uh, the Bengals are actually also a six-win team, and they were one pick ahead of the Packers. The Packers being 6-9-1 and one, and the Bengals being 6-10 and 10 mean the Bengals would also uh, get precedent over the Packers, unfortunately. With that said, however, um, they do have Jesse Bates, who was incredible. Essentially, it would just be a question of would you want to... I mean, it's no real difference than the Packers as far as would you want a third guy or a slot corner. They could maybe use a little bit of help in the slot, but it's definitely not as dire a need as it is for the 49ers then finally the Buccaneers also could use a little bit of help they've got a young guy in Justin Evans he's nothing super special in the slot they've also got a young guy MJ Stewart but he was pretty terrible so it wouldn't be all that surprising um, especially when you look at how much they've invested in the defense um, the defensive line they went out and got Sue um, they drafted uh, Devin White at linebacker uh, Shaquille Barrett Vita Vea but the defensive backs, I think, are the biggest weakness. So I think of the group, the, the biggest concern I would have would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and especially the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers essentially have whatever they want to do. That is, unless the Arizona Cardinals decide to pipe up and say they want them. But of the teams interested, the 49ers have the biggest need. Um, and then whatever round they want, unless somebody goes around earlier, they get them. So if the Packers want them, um, they've got to go earlier than the 49ers and the Buccaneers and the Bengals. But again, I don't really expect the Bengals to be super serious competition. But we'll see. I don't know how long it takes for this to get processed and for the answer to all come out. The only thing I could really find on that is that uh, the draft takes place at noon, which is central time, and the results will be released later in the day. However, usually when information is known it gets leaked before we actually find out about it especially if information can't just sit out there anymore and in 2019 that's just not how stuff happens when somebody knows everybody knows so i don't know i'm just a little bit anxious so we'll see what happens but i would you know put the percentage at 15ish percent that the packers end up with a player i don't know but anyways i got to get going you folks have yourselves a fantastic day and we'll see if we have something to talk about in regards to the supplemental draft on uh, tomorrow. So talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.